This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's Natalie Winters hosting, filling in for Stephen K. Bannon from a little bit of a different location than we're usually used to. Don't worry. The War Room is doing well, just getting, I think, a little bit of renovations. That should be exciting. But in the meantime, I'm coming at you live from Rav's DC studio. Buried lead there being that I'm coming at you live from DC. And on today, Friday, it really is a monumental and historic day that you, War Room Posse, I think need to give yourself a little bit of a round of applause because in an alternate universe where Kevin McCarthy and the Uniparty got their way yesterday, they would have voted on the CR, passed it. We would have plunged this country into further fiscal oblivion, probably surpassed the $33 trillion mark not too long after, all the while they're telling us that 8% cuts are so great. Like I said, and I'll say it again, even Joe Biden wanted a 10% cut for the big guy. So 8% is certainly not enough for the Warren Posse, but shout out to you guys, all the calls that you've made. I hear behind the scenes, I talked to the members, really helped move the needle and make sure that this CR did not pass. And like you guys saw breaking yesterday, likely they're going to be looking towards these single subject spending bills like Matt Gates and his fellow MAGA patriots have been demanding since January. So that is some very good news. And speaking of good news, we're going to bring in someone who, well, I guess he's more of a bearer of bad news usually, but that's only because I invite him on to talk about usually Hunter Biden corruption and how Congress isn't doing anything. Um, but today we got Mike Davis. Now, Mike, there's a lot that I want to get to you uh, to cover with with you. Um, but before we jump into the breaking news about Menendez, because apparently now the DOJ, like, cares about corruption and fair violations. Um, I'd love to talk about your wonderful new piece for Town Hall. Jack Smith's gag order request is unconstitutional and un-American. If you can walk us through the piece and just the latest on the lawfare against Donald J. Trump. So uh, President Biden has uh, and, and Democrats have impeached President Trump twice, and they've indicted him four times. They brought bogus civil lawsuits like the civil fraud suit by New York Attorney General Tish James for the non-fraud of a business ban paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full with interest. And I think that they're starting to see in the polling that this lawfare, this election interference against President Trump is backfiring. He's like Tupac. Every time they indict him, they make him a legend and more popular. And he's gone up by almost two points in the national polls since this lawfare started. And Jack Smith, who is bringing these bogus, unprecedented indictments against President Trump for the non-crime of a former president having his presidential records, which is allowed by the Presidential Records Act, and for the non-crime 
of a presidential candidate objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Twisting arms politically is allowed by the First Amendment. If this were a crime, we'd have Democrat presidential candidates in jail for objecting in 1968, 2004, and 2016. But Jack Smith is saying that this is backfiring. And while Jack Smith is illegally leaking grand jury material and illegally leaking out of this investigation, illegally uh, trying to taint public opinion, had a speaking indictment, does these does this inappropriate, bizarre press conference, he's trying to gag President Trump. And I would say this, it is the, it is the criminal defendants, not the government that has the Sixth Amendment right to a fair public and speedy trial. It is the uh, Amer American citizens, including criminal defendants, not the government who have a First Amendment right to speak out against the government. And uh, no one has more of a First Amendment right, no one has more of a need for that First Amendment right than a criminal defendant speaking out against the judge and the prosecutor and the process in a criminal indictment that that, that criminal defendant sees as political persecution. And that's exactly what's happening here. There is clear case law on point. The D.C. local rules make it very clear that the gag orders protect the defendants and uh, not the government. And Jack Smith is going to this D.C. Obama judge, Tanya Shutkin, who's this partisan activist judge who's been extraordinarily harsh, harsh on January 6th defendants while she had you know, she uh, turns the uh, she turns the other way for for these BLM and Antifa rioters who are a hell of a lot more uh, da damaging and dangerous and deadly than the January sixth uh, prisoners. And this Ch Tanya Shuck and I almost hope that she grants this gag order on President Trump because it will just show you how partisan she is, and it will screech to a halt these criminal proceedings while this unconstitutional gag order gets resolved on appeal. Now, Mike, you know in the war room, we are always proud to give you the signal and not the noise. And on the Menendez indictment, um, I think this is one of those stories that you got to unpack. you got to really focus on the timing. Why now? I don't think it's really a, a secret to anyone that he's been engaged in, in some derivation, some iteration of corruption. I know I used to spend a lot of time on the Morton's patio with my old boss, Raheem, and he would always be there taking meetings with people who— uh, I guess Donald Trump would probably say they're not sending their best. There was always sort of a, a murky vibe to, to his uh, counterparts at the table at, at Morton's. But uh, all jokes aside, the indictment of him for corruption, bribery, I'm not talking about Hunter Biden, um, comes at an interesting time just on the heels of him criticizing, of course, Joe Biden's policy when it comes to Iran. Um, but can you walk us through sort of the other maybe wins that you could see the Biden regime having by going ahead with this indictment of, like I said, someone who I think it's pretty well known that they've been corrupt for decades. Yeah, I think it's amazing that the Biden Justice Department all, all, all of a sudden cares about foreign <laughs> bribery and corruption, unregistered foreign agents, wire fraud, tax evasion, tax fraud. It, it's amazing that they finally care about this. Uh, maybe they can use this, this, uh, this precedent uh, going after Bob Menendez to go after President Trump, who uh, has the same issues that get ignored. I think uh, Jack Paso came up with a, a a very smart tweet earlier today. Like you said, Natalie, it's just amazing the timing of this. 
uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Chairman Bob Menendez starts raising concerns about this uh, this this Iran deal for six billion dollars or whatever the hell it was. This this continuation of Obama's uh, capitulation worship of Iran. Menendez raises issues about this, and all of a sudden they go after him. I mean, how long has the Biden Justice Department? How long? Has the FBI known that Bob Menendez was a scumbag and all of a sudden today they want to do this? Uh, and I guess the benefits to President Biden is that there are many. They, they get to remove this chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, who is not a Biden puppet, right? So they're going to get rid of him and maybe put in a Democrat, Senate Democrat as the chairman who is more of a puppet to Biden. They could easily replace Bob Menendez in New Jersey with a more more compliant Democrat senator. Maybe they can get a black woman, right, so they can hit their, their diversity goals. And then the, the Biden Justice Department can pretend that they're being nonpartisan here, that sure, we go after corruption on both sides, and we go after both sides of the political aisle, which is just complete nonsense. Yeah, we go after corruption because we indict Hunter Biden for gun charges, the only charge that do doesn't implicate his father, Joe Biden, who we know we don't care about bribery, corruption, you name it. Now, Mike, before we let you go, I have one question for you, because we've sort of started to see the talking points emerge again from some of the more establishment Republicans in the House saying that we can't have a shutdown because it's going to get in the way of impeaching Joe Biden, to which I would ask, well, then why did you guys go on break, go on recess for over a month and take a long weekend this week if it's so imperative that we impeach Joe Biden and we can't shut down the government. But you've obviously been following this. You've been following these committees, these investigations quite closely on the CR front, on the funding the government. What's your take on the sort of talking point that we can't shut down the government, we need to capitulate on the CR, or we can't see an impeachment of Joe Biden? So the same moderates who don't want to impeach Joe Biden or even open an impeachment inquiry are now using impeachment as an excuse to continue a spending spree by the Uniparty in D.C. It's nonsense. Uh, I would say this. Remember, Natalie, it's the high holy month of August recess. It's now six weeks, apparently. So uh, it, that's that's a holy time. And of course, uh, politicians can't work in D.C. during that high holy month, that, that high holy six weeks of August recess. But it's not like this is a surprise. They knew that uh, September 30th was coming, and they knew that the appropriations bills needed to be done by September 30th. And I would say this to House Republicans, hold the line. I did a Fox News opinion piece on this. Pass the appropriations bills that you want to pass at pre-COVID levels with the policy writers that have the support of 60 or 65 percent of the American people and of Senate Democrats and President Biden want to shut down the government because they want transgender surgeries in the military and they want weaponized justice systems to go after their political enemies. They can throw elderly Christians in prison for protesting outside of abortion clinics while they have BLM and Antifa and their abortion industry activists raising hell across America. You know what? Who cares if we shut down the Biden administration for a few weeks until we bring them back to the negotiating table and make the federal government go on a crash diet here. The American people have had enough of this out of control spending where it's causing uh, interest rates to go up so high that people can't afford to buy homes. They can't afford to buy cars. Uh, they can't afford their student loans. Uh, the, the inflation is out of control where gas prices are up by like 65%. 
Uh, grocery store prices are up. You know what? To hell with D.C., to hell with the Biden administration, to hell with uh, the executive branch. Make them go on a crash diet or they can or they can uh, be they can be defunded and shut down for a couple of weeks. Mike Davis, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow you and stay up to date with everything you're working on writing, where can they find you? It's article3project.org, article3project.org. You can donate there at article3project, at article3project on Getter Twitter Truth. And my personal is M-R-D-D-M-I-A, my initials in Des Moines, Iowa. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. You know, it's quite interesting. You know, we ask on this show sort of the, I think, eternal question of the Biden regime is the destruction of America or the policies that they're putting out, is it intentional or is it due? Can we chalk it up to incompetence? And I think the theory of the case on this show is, of course, the former. We know it's the intentional destruction or reformulation or reset of America, however you want to spin it. But I think the fundamental question here, when you really get into it, and frankly, the fact that we're even asking this question, I would argue, proves that the Uniparty does indeed exist is that is it intentional or is it incompetence that's plaguing Republican leadership, preventing them from putting single subject spending bills on the floor, taking recesses for weeks, six weeks, over a month, while simultaneously telling us that we can't shut down the government, we need to continue business as usual, use omnibus bills, continue with CRs, use continuing resolutions to fund the government with really no respect, no care, no due diligence for where that money is going to. And they just want to continue funding the government, meanwhile taking breaks while simultaneously telling us that we can't have a shutdown of the government because then we can't impeach Joe Biden. If impeaching Joe Biden was so important to these people, they wouldn't have gone on their trips all across the country, their congressional delegations. Oh, because it's really important to meet with Ireland and meet with all these countries. No. It's all a talking point. It's all spin. And you can see that that's now sort of reemerging in the news cycle. Like I said, these rhino types, these establishment types are saying that we can't have a shutdown because Matt Gates had a victory, like you guys know, when it comes to these single subject spending bills, saying that we can't have that because then we can't impeach Joe Biden. Absolutely crazy. Stick with us through the break. We got Dave Bratt, we got Garrett Ventry, and later tonight, Laura Logan's second episode of her January 6th documentary is going to be streaming on Getter and Rumble at 8 p.m. Eastern. But until then, you got to stick in the war room. Steve will be back for the 6 p.m. hour, and I will be right back after this break. The former KGB colonel, Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, is no friend of the United States, called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS conference in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. We call this the de-dollarization movement. Now, as demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. That is why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. With thousands of happy customers 
an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews. You can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon at 989898 to claim your free information kit. Use your agency. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the war room. It's still Natalie Winters. I believe we got Dave Barat with us. We're going to get into all things economics. I'm sure a little bit of slamming the Murdochs. That's my only assignment that Steve gives me whenever I'm hosting the show. But Dave, before we get into what the Wall Street Journal is saying and interesting numbers yeah. coming about, about out about manufacturing and American workers and productivity, you know, yeah. I think you know a little bit about taking down House Republican leadership as you should. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy's decision to effectively surrender and send home uh, his caucus this, uh, or conference rather, uh, for a very long weekend amidst negotiations over the CR, uh, potential single subject spending bills, appropriations, all this madness. From your experience being in Congress, is this what you've just come to expect or is this frankly a, a new low? Well, you're going to be surprised at my answer uh, from McCarthy. It's exactly what you'd expect, right? Paul Ryan, all the prior leadership that we've been doing this same game with spending for 30 years. And that's why we're 50 trillion in debt now in 10 years and at a 5% interest rate. That's two and a half trillion dollars in interest payments alone in 10 years. That's half the budget back when I was in Congress. So, yeah, they're used to just having a total power play, everybody caving. But my real answer is, and, and I, this is truthful, I'm very shocked at the Freedom Caucus uh, for their failure to stand up together. Uh, they had about 100 people uh, back on the last votes, right, when the uh, debt ceiling increase was uh, was being debated. Everyone said, hey, we're all going to get together. They voted as a conference on a $4 trillion cut. And, uh, and they said, just wait till we get to the uh, to the process, right? And we're going to, you know, do our 12 budgets and get through it the right way. And now, after McCarthy promised all the procedural rules and, and, and that, of course, right, working through regular order for the budget where everybody gets to see how the sausage is made, now leadership comes through and says, whoops, we're not going to tell the truth again. And there's only 10 people standing up after a promise made in public by the speaker and after the Republican conference voted as a majority to go forward with $4 trillion in cuts, and then they go up to the White House and McCarthy says no cuts, and now we're going to do the real thing, and there's nothing. So Russ Vogt uh, had it right today. Uh, it, it should be exciting this coming week. Uh, Pelosi had an agenda, right? And she would bang heads and get her people on the page. Uh, our leadership doesn't. They let everyone run individual elections in our conference, right? 220 people have individual elections. The most liberal members of the conservative party get $20 million. The most conservative members who follow the Republican creed, et cetera, uh, get zero, like me. Uh, if, if you follow and keep your word, you get zero. 
And so that that's roughly what's going on. And uh, I, I just pray the American people kick in here and follow your congressman, your senator. Uh, and, you know, just say just say you want to be fair. Uh, the weaponization piece is going to be the key moving forward. What, right. Watching our members who how they vote on the amendments related to DOJ, FBI, CIA, where there's just open and shut cases. Right. And so I'm I'm dying to see the votes on on that. And you're an expert on that. And so I'm I'm dying to hear your uh, witty repartee and comebacks. Well, thank you for saying I have witty repartee. I have not paid you to say that. (laughs) Um, But I I would love to get your take, too. Like I said, you know, you have the inside baseball. You know what it's like to be in Congress. But there are a lot of people who I think it's fair to call them, you know, they certainly haven't been winter soldiers on the CR. They've sort of been turncoats. A lot of names, people who've come on this show, right, that you would expect to be on our side of the football Exactly. Right. No, it is shocking. And, you know, I think we saw previously with the debt ceiling and, you know, I, I live in D.C. I obviously am a reporter. I speak to a lot of these people. I know what's going on to some extent behind the scenes. But it seems like the way that they get, you know, these members to flip their votes or to, you know, yep. sort of support policies that aren't really in line with the base, with the people who work to get right. them elected is right. through, you know, promising them certain things or, oh, we'll yep. bring, we'll allow you to bring this one bill to the floor. Or, oh, you know, we, we won't pledge these resources against you. We'll back you in the primary. You know, what do you think? And again, this is, of course, speculation, but just really, like I said, from the insider perspective, yep. kind of help the audience understand, because it even blows my mind, too, how some of these people who, you know, we consider them part of the war room posse, you know, they're usually on our side. Um, yeah they're sort of reneging on their America yep. first agenda and their America first promises. And you know, why is that? Yeah. Well, the, the full weight of the world does come down on you, right? CNN, the Washington post, the Atlantic, the articles, they start a spin cycle. They come after you personally. There's huge pressure. Uh, but the major argument is that the, the leadership will come at you with some rational arguments, right? They will say, Hey, the polling right now is tight. We could lose the house. And if you guys mess this up, uh, then we could lose the House. And then even if we win the presidency, we got nothing because uh, we don't have legislation. So they'll come at you with this without saying uh, the proper thing is the Pelosi approach. And our, all of our members should say, uh, Kevin, Mr. Speaker, if you come forward and explain to the people what seven trillion dollars, right, having a covid budget where we handed out checks to everybody. Right. We were throwing out checks to every business, every person. So we got a COVID budget now going forward for the next 10 years without COVID, right? It's an absolute disaster. It's laughable. And that's why the Wall Street Journal uh, today, today, I had a piece putting down these hard right people, the hard right people who are against $2 trillion deficits. That's hard right. And that's why your comments are right. These, our folks should not cave. We have to get, and, and we need, we need not just the Freedom Caucus, 40. There should be another 60 uh, from conservative districts. So we have 100. And, and then once you build that momentum, then you get a majority in the conference and then the whole thing flips. And then you have a conservative governing party, which can save the country. Uh, but, you know, the big three issues, right? It, it's it's where you add on China, where you add on 50 trillion in debt and where you add on the border. And you don't and, and weaponization, right? The administrative state and energy policy. I could go on. 
Uh, but leadership has not mentioned any of those in its messaging in the last week or two. And that, that tells you all you need to know. This is not going to be a substantive debate. And the Wall Street Journal, obviously, it, with their messaging, they just want a $7 trillion budget ongoing, right? They want tax cuts for the rich, I guess. Uh, they want a big defense budget for their pals up there. Uh, but until they explain otherwise, read their article today. They had another one called U.S. Labor's Real Problem. U.S. Labor, right? The American worker meaning U.S. labor, you, you people, uh, your problem is productivity. And they kind of blame productivity on the back of the working class, uh, which again is, and they parse it so carefully, but they're blaming it on the worker, uh, not a 50-year downtrend in U.S. productivity and terrible government policy. And so uh, we're, 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 we're dealing, uh, uh, those members are dealing with a lot of pressure on them, but hey, you got elected to represent the American people and that, that member of parliament from Germany, boy, did she come out strong and simple. The simplest honesty. Your job is to represent the people. There's no such thing as partial freedom. There's no such thing as partial uh, democracy. There's no such thing as partial rights to liberty. Uh, you either have it or you don't. And boy, she stood up and gave the world a shout out in front of the United Nations. And man, who, I, I'm, I'm going to find out who she is because she gets an A+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, no, note to self, nothing about what the Republicans are, are doing on the Hill uh, could be described as pro-worker. I mean, H.R. 2, the yep. bill that they love to talk about as being, you know, the greatest thing ever to happen to the southern border. They wanted to ram it through without E-Verify. If there's any legal yep. provision that is specifically designed to protect the American worker, it shows you how entrenched they are with the corporate interests. Now, we can finish this block out talking about the CR, yep. and then we can get into some of the other interesting data economics charts, as you're well known for, um, after the break. But uh, it's interesting. I, I was kind of crunching the numbers. And since 1995, the House has failed to pass rules, right, so that's to advance the bill to the floor for an actual vote, eight times, just eight times in history. It happened six times to Speaker Newt Gingrich in a period of four years, two times to Haster in a period of eight years. And with McCarthy, it's happened already three times, two in just one week, in just yeah. eight months, right? Yeah. What Explain the significance of that, how much of a humbling loss and, frankly, a victory for the War Room Posse that that is for someone like Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a after I beat a very significant figure, the person who was going to be the speaker, I was told and asked by leadership, right, if, uh, are you going to play team ball? And I said, well, my, my team's America. And uh, my principles I ran on are just very clear. I'm going to do what's in the best interest of Americans uh, every day. And that's the way I voted. Uh, but they they said, well, that's not good enough. We need to know a few specifics. On, on your committees, will you always vote for the budget? Will you always vote for the rule, uh, et cetera, and a couple other things? But that, that rule vote and voting for the budget were the two biggies. That leadership would say, you've got to vote for the rule because if you don't have you know, 100% vote for the rule to get legislation moving in the first place, it embarrasses leadership. And they got all sorts of complexities in there too, right? If, if you tell them, hey, I'm gonna post this thing uh, up front, it's better for you. But if you ever surprise leadership, uh, you'll be out on the street, you know, uh, begging for food or something in short order. And so that is the real deal, right? That I didn't get any money from the party. They put me on the no money committees. 
And it got so bad, they kicked me out of the uh, member's dining room for a few weeks, right? That's the only thing I had left. It's the only privilege I had left. And it really is that way. And so I just tried to get out on the press and uh, tell the American people the truth that way. Uh, but it's very hard. And then your own party, right, the party apparatus, uh, it, along with the Dems, come after you for upholding uh, the major uh, the major bullet points of the Republican creed and everything we believe in. Dave Brat, hang with us. We got to jump to break, but I want to get to really, I call them insulting, staggering numbers and analysis from, of course, the Murdoch-owned globalist Wall Street Journal when it comes to American workers. We'll get to that after the break. We've got Garrett Venture calling in to talk all things Trump polling. You guessed it. He's surging, still surging. Keep indicting him. Keep impeaching him. Not going to work. He's still going to win. And we'll be right back after this break. Do you get the feeling that the unthinkable is going to happen soon? Well, I do. But between the distractions and smoke screens in the media, we probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away. As they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Let me repeat that. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Head to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare today with emergency food that will stay fresh for up to 25 years. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious food kits offering over 2,000 calories every day for optimum strength under stress. And don't forget about water filtration and purification products. These are perfect for your bug out bag, survival supply, or your camping pack. One thing is for sure in this world. We all need to stock up before panic sets in. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what is coming. So prepare with the best. MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to The War Room. We still got Dave Bratt riding shotgun, getting ready to talk all things economy. But in the meantime, or maybe after the show, I guess after the 6 p.m., you guys got to go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the latest installment of the end of the dollar empire with all of the craziness that's coming out of Washington, D.C. Frankly, I think it's very clear, not just that they don't care about you and they're not going to protect you, but that they don't want you to be informed in the very fact that you know so much, whether it's about the CR, single spending bills, uh, single subject spending bills, appropriations, you name it. They're very, very ticked off by that. And frankly, that's why, as we were talking about in the last break, why McCarthy has seen, I would argue, so many of his rules shot down really at an unprecedented, ahistorical level because you are holding your representatives accountable. So make sure you keep calling them. But like I said, make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the latest installment of the end of the dollar empire. And speaking of the end of the dollar empire, how's that for a segue? Dave Ratt, I know you have some charts. I know the audience loves the charts. Uh, you got to sign it for the newsletter, too, if you want to see the charts, not just on the show. Um, but walk us through the new numbers that have to do with manufacturing. 
Yeah, well, and I, I might spare you. I may pull up a chart or two, but I'll just get to it. The Wall Street Journal today wrote an article yesterday called U.S. Labor's Real Problem, right? Labor, that means you, the working person. Your real problem is your lack of productivity. And they go through it. You know, they're very smart. So they go through it very carefully, and then they try not to blame it on the worker. And they say, and look, you know, you, you can blame some of this on government policy, uh, but, you know, the rest of the world has become very productive. Well, huh, let's, I, I just want to make the main point, because this is the main point, right? So don't blame our lack of productivity on government policy, because the rest of the world has gotten so productive. Well, how big is their federal government, right? Our federal government now is $7 trillion budgets out of a $25 trillion economy. That's over one-fourth of our economy on its way to one-third. That's the major point I want to point out is the Wall Street Journal. I cannot believe these guys are serious. They have access to the smartest people in the world. They know exactly what they're putting down, and they're putting down nonsense on paper yesterday and today, uh, blaming the $7 trillion budget folks that are, that are against it. They're calling them all sorts of names. It's just incredibly. I think a lot of them are good Catholic guys. Hey, guys. Come on, uh, don't bear false witness. That's part of the code, right? Let's get the story straight, right? At least if you want to favor the rich, just favor the rich and just say so. All right, so now I usually don't get political. You, all the political views are just my own. I don't speak on behalf of any party or anything. Uh, but if you do want to blame the workers, I did think this through a bit, and the workers may be culpable in Detroit. And I, I, I'm going to take my uh, own friends down because I was born in Detroit. And I'm a Michigander and went to, grew up there and went to college there and whatever. And so I am going to say some of this is the workers' fault. Because if the workers in Detroit voted for the policies which have put themselves into bankruptcy and ruined Detroit as a city, then you are culpable, right? And so here, Detroit, hear me, and the rest of the cities, right? If you don't want the Wall Street Journal blaming you personally uh, for your own destruction as workers, which I don't like, uh, but if you've voted for policies which do all this green stuff and experimental cars, uh, and the president of India says, hey, everybody knows there's not enough rare metals for this uh, electric vehicle thing to be sustainable long run at the big numbers, it's common sense, right? And if you voted for endless regulation, and if you have voted to decimate your city through their own policies, and if, where you've lost half your population since the heydays, and boy, am I a fan of Detroit, I want, I want a resurgence. Uh, but you've just crushed, right, the people who vote for those policies. It's not about politics or party. It's if you voted for those policies, the current energy policy, oh my word, right? You're putting the motor city out of motor business. It's just stunning to me. And so hopefully I've made that point clear. So then, you know, I do have some charts, I'll bring them up, but I wanna make one other point for folks to think about. And I started researching this and the manufacturing story, I think is way worse than the numbers reveal. So I started Googling and doing a little research on what's wrong here. There's something really wrong. So I found a major hint, Natalie, and I think you're gonna be fascinated with this and you probably know all about it because you're the master of research. But back under Obama, the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, put together a new way of doing manufacturing statistics. And OMB put out a proposal, and I'm gonna read this, because so you can't believe this wording. You cannot believe what they did. The, the proposal suggests that, in quotes, 
factoryless goods produced. This is a, a term out of OMB. Factoryless goods produced, FGPs, can be classified as manufacturing goods. Well, what's that mean? That means that if a company outsources 100% of their production, shoves all their assemblies, all their production, all their parts to China, and produces it there, they can still count it as manufacturing in the United States of America. So what does that tell you? Our, our statistics on manufacturing are way overstated. And so if you didn't get all that theoretical stuff, you know, hit rewind and go over it again, but I'll give you one example. Example, accordingly, uh, com companies like Apple, which according to the New York Times, right? So this is, you know, I'm quoting the, the in crowd, relies on hundreds of thousands of workers in other countries to produce its goods, would now be included in the manufacturing industry statistics, right? So if you if you think things are bad for manufacturing now based on the numbers and the decline and productivity has been going straight down, it's worse than you think because the statistics you've been fed are full of these kind of, of just incredible stories. And so Natalie, uh, you know, take a riff on that, uh, what you know about it, what you think about it. I always love it when the guests give me a chance to riff. Steve has told me I need to <laughs> go on more more rants, so I, I seldom do. <laughs> but unfortunately, we have other much people who are much smarter than uh, than myself who need to come on the show. <laughs> so I gotta let you go, Dave. We gotta have Garrick Ventry on before we gotta Good. before we gotta bounce. But if in the meantime people want to stay up to date with everything you're yeah. working on, writing your thoughts, where can they find you? Yeah, just come visit Liberty University. I'm now the vice provost for engagement. So my job is to engage all of you friends who come visit me. <laughs> so please come to Lynchburg, Virginia uh, if, and send your scholars and then go to Brat Economics on Getter and I post all these charts and all this stuff will be out by tomorrow. Thanks, Natalie. Great show as always. I would also nominate you for the position of ambassador to the war room on behalf of ah. Liberty University. <laughs> nice. Thank you. I love it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us. And Garrett Ventry, I think we have you. You always join us by phone. Your uh, competitor, Mike Davis, has the decency to join us via Skype, but that's that's all good. We see where we fall on the hierarchy. But Garrett, I would love to get your thoughts on the latest Trump polls. Break it down for us. I predict you will use the word surging because that is what Donald J. Trump does in the polls. But just give us the latest rundown. Well, to be fair to me, I was just spending time with one of War Room's favorite, Carrie Lake in Arizona, and I'm jet-lagged on the way back, <laughs> or else I would love to join you by Skype. But, you know, you're right, Natalie. I mean, surging is the word for Donald Trump right now. He is crushing in the polls. He's beating uh, Ron DeSantis by 50 points in most of these polls in the primary. Uh, you've seen Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire fall below uh, Vivek, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, he's in fourth or fifth place in New Hampshire. He's falling behind in Iowa, and President Trump just continues to really dominate there. And then as you see in the general election, the mainstream media polls, CNN, CBS, uh, Fox News, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden. I think that's why you're seeing them panic here. And that's why, you know, you like you pointed out earlier, they continue to try and indict him, but it's not working. The people see through it. And just anecdotally, I was in uh, Falls Church, Virginia, for lunch the other day, and people in a suburb of Virginia, which is blue, are talking about how President Trump, you know, the economy was, I heard two or three people say it, the economy is, was better under him. So people are definitely feeling this not only in the polls, but in reality. And so Donald Trump is in a very good place. 
Falls Church, Virginia. That's that's mind blowing. Um, but Garrett, I I'll hold you through the break because I want to get into on the House side of things the potential impeachment inquiry. You know, Warham has a little bit of a different take on it, but I'd love to get your inside scoop. But I'm just curious. You're someone. You know, you spend a lot of time with the MAGA base with people like Carrie Lake and. When you go through the polls and you try to figure out what are the issues that's really allowing Donald Trump to cut through, not just against Joe Biden, but particularly in the Republican primary, I think that the Agenda 47 videos that that he keeps putting out are very substantive, um, really chart a path forward. But what are the issues that you think he's been able to draw the most stark contrast between him, I was going to use the term competitor, but I don't even think that's fair. I won't disrespect uh, the former president like that. But (laughs) what are the issues that you think he's really able to draw the distinction between him and everyone else on? Well, I think the the big things are Donald Trump, everyone saw what he did when he was president. It was promises made, promises kept. A lot of D.C. politicians and others promise things, and then they get there and they do the exact opposite. I think like you said, his Agenda 47 has been remarkable. I think the weaponization of the DOJ and him fighting against that has obviously been uh, very strong. And I think his border policies, and then just we know the economy was better under President Trump. And so I think that people really do, Republican voters, they trust President Trump. They've seen him do it before. And I think that's exactly why they are uh, continuing to support him. Again, like you said, it's not really a race when Donald Trump is up 50 points here. We're talking about it's like being in a third quarter of a football game and the team's up 72 to 6. It's not much of a race here. Trump's running away with it. Easy money for Donald J. Trump. That's a, uh, a sports reference even I can understand. Um, Gary, I guess we can get into it now. And like I said, you'll stick with us through the break. But um, I don't know what exa- – I can't read it. But your Chiron, maybe it says that you're also a uh, advisor to, of course, Elise Stefanik, a, a good friend of the war room. Um, but could you sort of walk us through, I believe, Comer is set not only to – uh, subpoena, um, some more bank records when it comes to the Biden crime family. But I guess the impeachment inquiry, um, you know, barring a, a shutdown, as we've been repeatedly told, um, is set right. to commence imminently. So if you could sort of walk us through the game plan, you can at least start and then I'll keep you through the break to to drill down on what exactly that looks like. Yeah. And you guys at the at War Room have really been laying the groundwork for this, right? The base is demanded. They've seen Joe Biden's corruption. They've seen that he's compromised. And, you know, you guys have done a great job on this, really paving the way here and putting pressure on House Republicans to to get their act together and do these things. And so, no, I think the I think Comer has done a nice job here. He's, you know, I think being able to subpoena bank records from Hunter Biden uh, and James Biden is going to be a big first step. And that's something he wants to do here. So we can see we obviously know they benefited massively from Joe Biden being in office as vice presidency. They used uh, their influence with Joe Biden to get foreign business, millions of dollars from Russia, China, Ukraine. And we've seen Joe Biden may have shifted policy to protect them and to help them. We saw that with the firing of the Ukraine prosecutor. Everyone knows the famous story where Joe Biden publicly pressured and privately pressured the Ukrainian prosecutor who was actively investigating corruption surrounding Burisma, a company that Hunter Biden was getting a million dollars a year from. So they're definitely going to look into that, and we can get into the more, that more obviously a little bit later. But I think that's what they're going to investigate. They're going to look at the money trail, and they're going to look at the influence peddling that the Biden family did to continue to make money off Joe Biden's uh, vice presidency. 
So they're not going to be focusing on the gun charges, is what I'm hearying. The uh, the sole charge that doesn't implicate Joe Biden. It's it's, it's funny how that happens. It's amazing happened, right? I'm sure it was just a coincidence. I'm sure they're not trying to protect Of course. <laughs> Garrett, hang with us through the break. And Warren Posse, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, you got to go to Rumble and Getter. Royce White's podcast will be streaming live, so you can catch up on all the content from him that you've missed. And like I said, Laura Logan's documentary at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, same platforms. But in the meantime, we'll be right back after this break. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. I do want to ask you about the, the vaccines and how well, I mean, how well do they work and do they actually help reduce transmissions of the virus at all, this latest uh, um, vaccine? Yes. So we, we know that these vaccines are safe and they're effective at preventing the worst of what COVID can can bring to you. And that is putting you in the hospital or dying. Unfortunately, we're still seeing hundreds of people over 65 dying each week with COVID. We, we have about 20,000 folks in the hospital right now with COVID. Um, so what the vaccine can do is protect you from the worst of what COVID is. But remember, the vaccine early data is showing us it can also prevent you from getting long COVID. It decreases your risk of getting long COVID, which is extended symptoms from that COVID virus. So, yes, protecting from the worst, but also protecting you from potential long-term symptoms from this virus, even if you have a mild case. Um, I can't help but tell you this story. I was in uh, several hospitals at the height of of this uh, Mm -hmm. pandemic. And one of the things I heard from someone in the hospital, from one of the nurses, they said, someone came in here, they had COVID, it was really, really bad, they couldn't breathe. And the person's wife says, don't you dare give them that vaccine. It is dangerous, it is Mm -hmm. deadly. This is one of those Mm -hmm. big issues, this anti-vaccine sentiment. Do you have a specific plan to try and combat it? And how worried are you about a rise in this anti-vaccine sentiment? 
Well, it's really important that we are communicating with folks and having longer conversations to make sure that we're addressing people's questions, that they understand the data that we, we see. It's why I'm sharing personally what I would recommend for my own family in terms of vaccination. I know folks want to be healthy, that they want their families to be safe. Um, so we're just going to keep communicating about the good information that we know, the scientific information that we're seeing. We want to communicate as transparently as we can and answer folks' questions. We encourage folks to you know, visit cdc.gov and get their questions answered and engage with your doctor, um, with a nurse practitioner. Ask good questions. Um, and make sure you're using tools to protect yourself. Well, she definitely was a good CDC stooge. She got in the term safe and effective, which I'm sure they're probably mandated to use to describe the COVID vaccine, but she sort of let it slip that I guess it's not actually meant to prevent COVID. Now they've moved the goalpost for, what is it, the hundredth time. You're not going to get long COVID if you'd get the vaccine. I don't remember that when you guys were mandating vaccines and forcing us to take them. I was told that you wouldn't get COVID if you took the vaccine. But it seems like, like I said, they're already moving the goalposts again. And by the way, I just have to add, seems like a pretty uh, precarious time to be wanting to fund the federal government, allowing them to continue to weaponize against us, every agency, just all of them collectively ahead of what we know are likely plans to roll out a new batch of lockdowns and mandates to combat combat COVID-19, right? That's the new forever war in America, I guess that, and, and Ukraine, which they're, believe me, fighting, dying on hills to make sure they can still fund. Uh, like you guys may know already, they exempted Ukraine from a government shutdown. So even if we do go into a shutdown here, don't worry, Zelensky, you will still get your billions of dollars to do who knows what with, and great news for the, uh, the Zelensky fans out there too, the Clinton Global Initiative has sort of re-upped their operations, and guess where they're focusing on? Ukraine. Wow. Quite shocking. I can only imagine the corruption that'll ensue there. I can't tell if it'll be worse than what the United States government and your taxpayer dollars are already funding, but... Garrett Ventry, while we still have you, like I said, you work very closely with a lot of House Republicans. I would love to get your thoughts specifically on sort of the COVID lockdown front. Um, if we see another kind of full court press coming from whether it's the deep state or the Democrats to roll out a new batch of lockdowns, um, do you think we'll see a sort of counteroffensive launched by House Republicans to stand up? Uh, and like I said, I don't like the term do not comply because it implies that there's mandates uh, to comply with. Uh, but do you think we'll see some sort of pushback? I mean, you would certainly hope so, right? I mean, this is we saw what the lockdowns did the first time, right? They lied about just like you pointed out here. At first, it was if you get the vaccine, it will you'll never get COVID, right? It'll prevent you from getting COVID. Then every then people, you know, millions of people got the vaccine. and They got COVID. And now it's, if you get boosted, it'll prevent you from getting long COVID. Like, they just continue to shift the goalpost. Um, the vaccine, they didn't on the lockdowns. We saw the damage the lockdowns did for, you know, kids at school, uh, for uh, the economy, just generally, people's mental health. It was not a good thing. The lockdowns didn't work. We started at 14 days to slow the spread, then turned into 14 months to slow the spread. And in my opinion, one of the first things Donald Trump needs to do when he does take back the White House in January of 2025, is there should be an absolute special counsel 
to investigate Anthony Fauci's many lies and crimes. There's no one who did more damage to the United States of America over the last 50 years than Anthony Fauci, an unelected bureaucrat, who during COVID had all this time, you know, we're supposed to be fighting this virus that's very serious and uh, being locked down and all this stuff, but he found time to do every single interview. He found time to be on the cover of InStyle magazine. He lied about the effectiveness of of masks. He He lied about the lockdowns and their effects. He lied about the effectiveness of even the vaccine. And so I think that no one has done more damage to this country than Anthony Fauci. And I would love to see him in orange in prison forever. As he should be. I, uh, there are a lot of people I'd love to investigate with a special commission and probably their wives, too. But Garrett Venture, got to let you go. Uh, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Garrett Ventry. Always good to be with uh, the War Room crew, the posse, and Natalie, you too. You are, uh, you are one of the, uh, the best hosts here in America. We appreciate everything you do. That is quite the compliment, though I would have to push back and say Steve is far superior. But thank you, Garrett, for joining us. <laughs> of course. Take care. And War Room Posse, after that last segment, that's all the more reason why you guys got to go to jacemedical.com. To get your drugs, antibiotics, whatever you need, not relying on the Chinese Communist Party, not relying on the deep state, not relying on the outsourcing, offshoring model of economics that the globalists love so much. Take your health into your own hands, free of any influence of, of course, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Steve will be back for the 6 p.m. show. I think he's got a bit of a a Ukraine special. And, of course, he'll be back for the 10 a.m. tomorrow. But thank you again for letting me hang out with you this afternoon. And like I said, War Room Posse, you guys got to give yourself a very big round of applause because in an alternate universe where you guys didn't exist, the CR would have passed yesterday. And today would have been the first day under just, I guess, business as usual status quo of just government spending galore up the wazoo with nothing in return no substantive change but because of you guys because of the calls you've made because you've helped them hold the line we live another day without a cr and with that i will go into the weekend a very happy person as you should too thank you and see we'll be back for the six i am the last person on earth to nag your about your diet i think you can see i don't always make the healthiest food choices either But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier, too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Now, let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com fieldofgreens.com more energy you'll look better you'll feel better and you'll get what the mayo clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day fieldofgreens.com code bannon take agency do it today action 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 folks let me tell you about salty 
it's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.